Okay, as we uh, embark upon this one verse, chapter 3, verse 18, we come to the close of chapter 3. It's been about the New Covenant. We spent a whole week, really last week, uh, on verse 17. We got briefly into verse 18, but we just did not cover it sufficiently. And I don't know how one could ever cover it sufficiently. I kept reading and reading. I don't know. I, I probably read more commentaries in one week than I ever have in my life. I have no idea how many I read. Probably was maybe 20, 25 on this text, trying to get more out of it so we could get blessed here. And I was blessed as I went through some of the thoughts of great authors down through history to present time. And uh, as you look in verse 17, it introduced the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We sang that song last couple of weeks. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's the Holy Spirit. As we get our freedom in Christ, we recognize that. It's because the Holy Spirit that we are changed. And of course, we talked about sanctification very much last week. This is at the heart of what sanctification is. Big word, isn't it? But the idea is to be growing, a process of being set apart. Set apart, being made holy is the idea. So with that thought, knowing that we have the Holy Spirit who works in us, He is called the Holy Spirit because He makes us holy. We talked about that last week. It starts off with, we all with unveiled face. Now the Apostle comes to this 18th verse. talks about our transfiguration. talks about our metamorphosis. And I think it's obvious that the Apostle here is struck emotionally. I think he is overwhelmed the way that the Holy Spirit has directed him to write what he does here. And he's been talking about the glorious New Covenant versus the glorious Old Covenant. The New Covenant is far, extremely higher than the Old Covenant. We see what it does to us and that's what we've talked about. Because of that, it leads up to this verse. He has to be writing this, feeling the emotional aspect of what is to be written down as God has revealed it to him. I think it is a magnificent blessing of the new covenant and a privilege of proclaiming this that Paul is feeling. As he writes this down, he has to be on top and exceeding Mount Sinai. as he gives this magnificent blessing here. So he starts off with, but we all. It's not Moses alone that went into the very presence of God and had the glory shine upon his face. You remember that? Moses did that. Did the rest of the people? No, they couldn't. They couldn't even get close to that mountain. There was a fence there. Separated that. They were in fear. They didn't even want to do that. He comes down. What does he have? He has a glory of God shining on his face so they could see outwardly what God had done as, as he gave the commandments, the old covenant commandments to Moses. It's shown there. But they couldn't look upon it because it was too much. And it also had to be covered over because there was a fading away. Every time that he would 
be in the tent of meeting, they would see that, but then he would put it on because eventually it would fade away. Then he'd go into the presence of God and get glory again written all over him. So it happened that way. It's not Moses alone now. We're able to pass through that fence. We go on past the fence that's there. That's the law of the Old Testament. We're able to ascend to the Mount of Vision and see some things that nobody else had ever seen before. Higher than Mount Sinai. We're able to enter, folks, into the very presence of the Holy of Holies. You remember the temple, the tabernacle? One room the priest couldn't even enter except once a year and that's the high priest was the Holy of Holies. That was just a picture we enter into the very presence of the Holy of Holies where God lives and we present our prayers to Him. Our praises to Him. We do this morning. And you know what we do there? We converse. We fellowship with God, the Creator of the universe. What a privilege. So he says, we all with unveiled face. We all. It's not just Moses. It's not just even Paul. It's not just even the apostles. But it's the early church that he was writing to all the way up through the ages of the church to right now. This is what God meant. We all, the whole church down through the years have access to God. Jesus Christ is reflecting the very glory of God. Moses reflected the glory of God had shown on his face. So here it is. We all have an unveiled face. He's already talked about that. In verse 16, whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. We now get to see what was veiled in a mystery before now is opened up, the curtains are torn back, and we get to see the most revelation that there is up to this time. Till Christ comes back, and we'll see much more. But right now, we see more than any Old Testament saint did. That's the times we live in. Judaism had one lawgiver. People had to take his word. That's what came from God. Now we pass through the fence. We get to go up to the blazing glory of God Almighty. It's seen. Matter of fact, when we've been with Christ, there are people that can say, they've been with Christ. If you know Him, you know that Moses had a momentary gleam. The people experienced a momentary transient brightness. But we have a perpetual light that continues. It shines. The luster on Moses was skin deep. That's as far as it went. But the light that we have is inward. So we're to behold. To behold Christ. Contemplate the Gospel. Behold the Gospel. The truth of God's Word. The New Covenant. Christ. That's the idea of what this is. Behold. That's the main theme of the Bible. This is what we are to do. 
What is the biggest command to love God? And love your neighbor. Love God. How do you love God? By gazing intently on the face of Jesus Christ because the very glory of God is not only outwardly on Him, but in Him. Gaze into that truth. More and more through your life, I'll guarantee you, because the Word says this, not because I say it, the Word says from glory to glory. You want to go on to a journey of glory? Well, you're on it right now if you're a Christian. And he says, contemplate it. The vanishing gleam on Moses' face, it faded. The veil has been taken off of us. We don't see a fading glory. It's there. The Lord, the Spirit, as it says in verse 17, has taken away the veil. The Lord, the Spirit, He's removed it. When we turn to the Lord, He removes it. He removes the darkness of alienation. We go right into His presence. There's no fear of the glory fading, is there? Word of God is the glory of the new covenant. Did you hear that? The Word of God that you hold in your hands right now is the glory of the new covenant. It's about who God is. It's a glory that increases in degrees. Sanctification is a process that goes from one degree to another. Another degree of intensity. As the years go by, if you're studying God's Word, you're looking at Christ, and either you're a Christian and you are growing, or you're not growing. Nobody stands in between. Why would you want to stand in between? We want to get a glimpse more of another glimpse of glory, right? So when the veil is removed in Christ, Believers receive the light, not only salvation, but we receive what Galatians or Second Corinthians four, verse six says. You ready for this? We read this seems like every week, and we're going towards this. We're moving. For God, who said, God speaks. So what did He say? Light. Darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. How do you see the glory of God? Last phrase in the face of Christ. That's how you see glory. You say, What is this glory you guys are always talking about? Glory to God. We sang songs about glory this morning, didn't we? You can't come in here without hearing that word. I doubt if there's ever a time that we've been in here that we haven't said something about His glory. It's about His glory. And to have that knowledge about who God is and we see it and only see it in the person of Christ. Chapter 3, verse 13 says, And we're not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face so that the sons of Israel would not look intently at the end of what was fading away. They only had so much. But here it says, God now has shown it in the One who's come in our hearts 
gives us light, gives us knowledge about the glory. It's what we're shooting for. Glory in the face of Christ. I don't know, but I think we got a song that we're going to have to sing next week. Do you have it, Alan? You know where I'm heading for on that? <laughs> Beholding as in a mirror. The word is cut aptridzo. I put that, it's actually cut aptridzo in a shortened form. There's more to that, but I'm putting it in that. So, what, what's the big deal? Why do you have to bring that word out? Well, optidro, optician, optometry. Optimus? It's dealing with seeing. To look. That's the idea. To look. It's dealing uh, here with mirror. To look in a mirror. To look in a glass. To behold. To look intently. We all, with unveiled face, we saw the unveiled face, we compare it to Moses and the people. We're now having the veil off. Beholding as in a mirror. Like a mirror, he compares that. The Gospel has allowed every believer to have the same privilege to look fully into the New Covenant. Into the face of Jesus Christ and to see the revealed glory of God. See, God wants to take His glory and show it to us. How can we see it without glorified eyes? Well, we don't have glorified eyes yet. How can we see it now? Inwardly. We see the glory of God. Jonathan Edwards talks so much about seeing you know, have that manifested glory to us. But yet he wasn't talking about visions and dreams and different ways that God had shown to certain people in the Old Testament. In these last days, he's shown it through his Son to show the very glory of God. The very radiance, the brightness of his glory is seen in his Son. That's how God reveals himself. And if that be the case, it's our duty then to behold Him as in a mirror. The reflection of Him is then seen through the person of Christ, through the Word of God. And it's God's duty to change us. And it's our duty to behold Him or to get into His Word. People are out looking for other things to help them make themselves feel close to God. And I challenge you about feelings. And about certain tremendous stories that have, it could be true. There's a lot of people telling fibs because it makes them famous and gives them money, and brings attention. And for the most part, I'd say about 99% of those is what they're doing. Yeah, God does miraculous things and He can do it anytime, any way He wants. But that's the thing. It's a miracle only when it's out of the ordinary. If people are being raised from the dead, I challenge them. I want to see that man. I want to see somebody who is raised from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead. But do we, see, we, we hear stories about that. People write books, write newspaper articles about them. But then you find out people who go and search those out like in Africa. 
That that really never even happened. It's what one said about another said, I, and this guy went to several reportings of it. And I use that as an ins- uh Benny Hinn has said that people have been raised from the dead in his revival that he that he has. And and they say that people were raised from the dead there. Only thing is people have checked that out. Where do they live? I want to go see wouldn't you want to go see a person who has been raised from the dead? Wouldn't this story be gotten out in the Christian realm? People see that be all over the internet. They would have to see I'd have to see him being literally raised. All the video cameras that we have. Let me see that. We have stories, but do we really have that? God can do that, it's a miracle. But it's a miracle because it's not natural. Supernatural is... Listen, God did supernatural things particular times. He did it during Moses' time. Remember the Red Sea? The plagues? He didn't do any more until the time of the prophets Elijah and Elisha. He did that because he was introducing prophets. People would uh, believe them. And some of the prophets, they did some things that was rather incredible. You don't see any more. Actually, the Word of God was not even revealed anymore until 400 more years. And then you get the third time of amazing miracles, prophecies, and things that went on. You see the person of Christ. You say, what happened during that time? Well, if you look in history... You will not see in the early church the writings of legitimate people. They said, we see none of these kind of miracles today. That doesn't mean that God didn't during that time. He could have. And He does. So I don't ever rule that out. But I am saying, if you look in historical sources, go back to the early church fathers. Go back to the first century. Go back to the second century, the third century. And if there are any reportings, you find out that they're heretics. They were never accepted into the church. And all through the church age until about a little over 100 years ago and all of a sudden some things started popping up. It was in a Pentecostal movement. But the Word of God was not really preached there. People came there because of the feelings, the emotions, things that were seen outwardly and people were attracted to that. More and more people came. All you have to do is look at history. What, what happened? What, were, what was happening with them? Would God do that? Well, He could. But like I say, what, the, the people who concentrate on these things were going to have miracle night. I've seen that at churches where they would have... Actually, Tuesday night is miracle night. Monday night, that's when they did it. Right here in town. They demand God to do a miracle. People get cured of, of colds and uh, headaches, that kind of thing. Could have been. But did we see the miracles that Jesus did? Are, are people's arms growing back? Uh, legs coming back? Are they able to walk again? Uh, people claim that. I've heard people, that whenever they reported and they found out who they were, they went to their house. There wasn't any kind of miracle that happened. Or you find out that these people were acting for the the sense that it is great for people to see. And so they would be coming up on stage and, of course, they'd get paid for doing their acting. They had this story of what they were. That's the kind of things that that I see. If one can bring forth true stories, I say it's fantastic, it's awesome. But are we to seek and go after that? 
That's quite a, a glory of God. I don't doubt about it. But I think whenever Christ comes back, we will see the miracles. There are people coming to Christ, I know, over in the Muslim countries. There are many of those now. Uh, quite the story. I, I, I believe that God, where God is revealing Himself to them. So I don't rule that out. And I'm not poo-pooing everything. But that be the case, they're no longer miracles. They're no longer supernatural. They're just natural. If it happens, if I can beg God to, to heal me and demand that, it's a natural thing now because Christ is in me. Holy Spirit's there. I just need to get to another level to be able to do that. I need to have faith enough. I bring this forth because that's talking about physical eyes, physical feelings that we have. And those things happen. It's good to have feelings. It's good to have feelings when we worship, but they must be controlled. We live in a time where there are lies. And yes, there are lies in the church. And the churches that I'm seeing, for the most part, of doing this are not even telling us about this where we're at here. They're not talking about the sufferings that people go through, which is all throughout Scripture. They're not preaching Christ, but they're preaching how big of a miracle that I had over Him. I challenge that. not here to offend anybody on that, that thought, but one has to bring forth evidence. When I see evidence, I will take it. And I'm being evidenced here by the Word of God. That is what I seek. This is how I see the glory of God. If God wants to do a miracle, then I want to see that. Or I want to hear about it. Fantastic. God's bringing people to Christ. That is the ultimate glory of God. And that is a miracle. That's supernatural when people come to Christ because it's the work of God, not a work of man. So I, I hit on that because when you gaze on Christ, you find clarification of all that God is. If you don't understand who God is, and this is what it's about, this is what all churches should be preaching, that you would understand God. That's His nature. That's what He is. That's what church is about. Instead, churches are telling you how you can make money. Churches are telling you how to live the Christian life. That's good. That's what we want. We want application. But it's not featuring on the Word. Everybody knows we are to be good. Do this. Do that. That could be a works-based salvation. When you gaze upon Christ, you get clarification of all that God is. If you don't understand who God is, you're not looking at the face of Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Everything becomes clear. It's not cloudy anymore. And the veil is taken off. I want to tell you something. I want you to listen. We said this last week. The most important thing that happens in your life as a Christian... I'm going to say that again. The most important thing that happens in your life as a Christian is to increase your understanding of the nature of God. To understand the very character of God. That is the most important thing in all of your life. You see, there's God... And it's what He's about, not what I can get out of this Christianity. 
He's not a genie. It's about seeing God. Clearly, when He has revealed Himself in the face of Jesus Christ, fully. New covenant. A new covenant believer is to look in the face of Jesus and as a result we'll see God's glory. That's the focus of our life. That's it. When the light of Scripture goes on, salvation, you see God's glory in the face of Christ. You look at the face of Christ and the full, blazing glory of God is made visible to you. It's hard work. It's called reading. It's called studying. It's called meditating. And that's how I see the glory of God. You see, what the Reformation was about started with this. Scripture alone. We don't need anything to go along with this. There are things that help us. There are commentaries and all sorts of studies. Those are good. That's not what it's saying. It's saying it's not faith plus works. Or it's not faith plus my faith. It's faith in God. See, Scripture alone, faith alone. When you believe in Scripture alone, we don't need all the hype that is out there to make our faith grow stronger because it's right here. He makes Himself visible to you. Have you thought about that? It's all right here. Yes, it takes work. And yes, it takes other studies. It takes concordances. It takes Bible dictionaries. It can take Bible commentaries. It can list, you, could, you have all the access to listen to all the, any kind of good messages that there's out there. And I recommend good, solid stuff. Solid stuff that would be considered to be Reformed theology. Coming from people who give you the right gospel. The only gospel. Good, solid stuff. You say, Dennis, I'm not so sure who's out there that's good. How about this guy? How about that guy? Well, we can help you out. Many of you here can help you out. You can say, what about this guy? He says this, and it's really overwhelming. I can tell you, you know what? I've got something much better. I used to do that in the store. We had books that were so-so. We had books that were better. And we had really good books. And I'd point them. Look, this will give you an understanding, but if they're at a point where they are hungry, you know what I say? You want to go for this right here. Let's go for the meat. That was a privilege to have. Uh, Pete used to say in the, in the uh, Bible section, they'd come up there and they'd say, I want to study Bible. And he said, well, do you want to study Bible that is so-so? Or one maybe that's a little better? Or do you want the best? And he'd show them the best. Well, that's kind of hard to say on things like that. But at, at the same time, he's saying this is the one that has the most notes that are very accurate. We want the best, don't we? Why? Right here. It's here. It's hard. It's hard work to pray. It's hard work to read and study. You say, I read it and I don't even get it out of what I've just read. 
The glory is there. It's worth digging. Go back to it and read it again. Go back and read to it again. I have to do that all week on one verse. And it's a privilege. And I go, what? what is this really saying here? I'd cheat you if I didn't study hard and bring this forth. I'd be held responsible for God, first of all. And I'd probably do that a few weeks and get, get away with it with some of you. With others, I'm saying, hmm, I already kind of knew that. That was really kind of weak. I hope that that never happens because it might be weak, but I hope it never happens because I didn't work for it to try to dig some things out. <coughs> the image that the New Covenant minister reflects is identified in this text, the Lord's glory, beholding Christ. Do you want to see the glory of God? I asked that earlier. Look into the face of Jesus. How do you look into the face of Jesus? Where do you know right here? You look at the face of Christ and the full blazing glory of God is made visible in heaven. Listen, all you need to know about who God is, all you need to know about God and what God wants to reveal or disclose to you about Himself, all the beauty of His character, all of His attributes, all of His love and His mercy and His loyalty and His grace and His power and His wisdom. You want to know how wise God is? All His compassion, all of His sympathy, all things that are necessary to empower us, all things that are necessary that we be equipped. All things have been unveiled in Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know His nature, look at Jesus. Jesus said this in John 14. You've seen Me. You've seen the Father. He's it. That's where you see the glory. Never before Christ was there ever such a clear view of God that we're looking at right now. We have exceeded Mount Sinai. Do you get that? Take a glimpse from where that's at. We don't need baby food. We need the depth of God's Word. This is a revealing. This is the revelation of God. God reveals Himself through the Word of God. It's the full splendor of the divine perfections or excellencies as Edwards used so much. The full splendor of the divine excellencies is right here. The perfections of God shine forth in all His burning, splendorous glory. The beauty of the Gospel. And we're permitted to look on them and see clearly what He desires for us to understand. Hebrews 1, 1 through 1-3. Here's God revealing Himself in the ultimate. I stated this passage earlier. Now I'll read it. This is quite a glorious section. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets, in many portions and many ways, He did signs and wonders and miracles, spoke through the prophets, did all sorts of things, dreams and visions to certain individuals, and He said, listen, there's much more than that. In these last days, He has spoken to us in His Son. This is how He speaks. 
People are looking for a direct revelation from God today. <coughs> Just open the Bible up. Because if, if it says anything other than this, I would challenge the fact that that is false. Because everything has to agree with this. So if they're already saying what's in here, they're not getting a direct revelation from God. It's already happened. It's been written down. Or else they need to be an apostle and write that down. And we need more books. And so therefore, we don't have the complete Word of God. We're in trouble, aren't we? Do we have the complete Word of God revealed to us here today as we sit here? There's no other writings, are there? In these last days He's spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed, heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. He created. And here we go. And He is the radiance of His glory and the exact representation of His nature. He is what? He is the radiance of His glory in full bloom. The exact representation of God's nature is seen in Christ. That's how we see God's glory. One day we'll see Him as He is. Al Moore said, the mystery is unfolding. It's a gradual transformation. There's a great principle. We all are beholding. We are all being changed. As we behold what is happening, we're being changed. Are you beholding the face of Christ right now? If you are, I want to tell you something. You are being changed. You don't see it, but it's happening inwardly. That's what the Spirit is doing because He blesses God's Word. There was mystery spoken of in the Old Testament in the ages past. That was something that was concealed and not revealed. And now in the New Testament, mysterion is something that was concealed before and is now seen. Hidden, now seen. New Covenant versus Old Covenant. Looking in the New Testament verse by verse. Chapter by chapter. Book by book. You will see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's shining in the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ. In Him you see mercy. In Him you see power. He resurrected from the dead. You see His sovereignty as He is in control of all the nations, even right now. He is an absolute authority. Jesus Christ, the King of Kings. We sang about Him earlier. He manifests that. It's seen here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. We got into Hebrews quite frequently last week, didn't we? Hebrews 12.2. He said, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? What's my life about? Verse 2. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. No secrets here. We're not just unleashing some things that have never been heard. It's this simple. Keep your eyes on Jesus who is the author or the beginner, he started it, and perfecter of faith. He finishes it. Who for the joy set before him 
endured the cross. Look what he put his eyes on. Put it on the cross. By the way, it's a good place to start looking at Christ at the cross. Go there every day. The gospel. It was the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down now at the right hand of the throne of God. Wow. Keep your eyes on Christ. Okay, let's go to number two. This life is a life of gradual transformation into the very image of Christ. This contemplation, this fixing our eyes on Jesus, contemplating, focusing, it's a gradual transformation. It doesn't all happen at once. Isn't that what we'd love? Some people love to see the glory of God and they fall backwards and they fall forward. They fall on the ground. They're stuck on the floor for days on end. They've seen the glory of God. What do you guys think of that? Do you see anything in Scripture dealing with such hideous behavior? They bark like dogs. They have a laughing revival. still goes on. They laugh. They don't preach the Word of God. They just come in there and laugh. They're on a different level. right? That's a glorious thing. Folks, don't be lied to. Yeah, but it's so amazing. It feels so good. It feels so right. What does the Bible say about things like that? That is demonic behavior. Gradual transformation. It's gradual. We behold, we're changed. You want power? The power is committed to perfecting of our character, our nature. Transformation. We are being transformed. You see that in your Second Corinthians? We all, with unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image we're looking at. Folks, right now, if you're looking at Christ, don't be looking at me. Look at Christ. If you're, if you're looking at that, you're being transformed. It's not outward. There's a ministry of the Spirit of God and the ministry of the Word of God. The two you cannot separate. Spirit's in you. Be filled with God's Word. Colossians says. So increasingly, there is deep assimilation to the very character of the Lord Jesus. As you gaze at His glory, He changes in you into the very image that you're looking at. He's changing you into the image of Jesus Christ. I can think of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's of the Spirit. But it's also Jesus Christ. Think of the love chapter in 1 Corinthians 13. That is Christ and Christ alone. We can't fulfill all that. We can sure try and have His love through it. But He's the one that you look at there. Look at what love really is. The love of God. The ultimate goal for us as Christians is to be like... Not Mike... (laughs) To be like Christ. That's our ultimate goal. He said, oh, I thought it was to go to heaven and to be able to see the streets of gold. 
there. To see the beautiful rainbow that's there. All the things that... We get the idea of, of heaven as something way beyond our eyes can even think of. We can't even put it in a human way. Paul couldn't. The ultimate goal is to be like Christ. That means it's going to take a change in us. It takes change. If we know Christ, you'll be changed. Christ has to be formed in us, Paul said. I'll keep giving you this until Christ be formed in you. Completely. Uh, the word there is metamorpho. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Transformed. Did you know that you're all transformers? Sounds like a movie or something, right? <laughs> Comic book, cartoons. This is the real thing here. Transformed. Metamorphosis. Cocoon. To a butterfly. That is amazing, isn't it? That is an ongoing process. And by the way, our being transformed, in the Greek tense, it means to continually be being reformed. That's what's happening. We are transformed in the same image. Take a rude block of sandstone. There we go. Penny would see sandstone. She'd go, oh, look at that. She'd see the sun. It's glistening and everything. But some of you, it's a rock. It's a root sandstone, and it's laid down before a perfect marble. Beautiful marble with no blemishes. And it's laid down there. And it is to be, that sandstone is to become a copy of the loveliness of this beautiful marble that's there. Let the pure face of glory shine upon our hearts and our spirits. Contemplate Christ. Love Christ with all your being. That's what he said. It's a major, the major commandment. Love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Think about Him. Think. Dwell your thoughts on that. Draw from that. And how do you think? You have to be conformed to Him by the Word of God. Romans 12.2 Be not conformed by this world but be transformed. Right? Transformed by the very will of God. The Word of God. Contemplate Him. You get your thinking and your thoughts from here. Don't get your thinking from the world. It's one or the other. Here's where truth is. You don't see a lot of truth anywhere else, do you? Let love draw you. The love of Christ. You don't have to do this, do that. You don't have to struggle in the sense that you know, we struggle against sin. But I mean, trying to get to some next level. Doing everything that I can with all my might. Trying to make myself better and stronger. Doing outward things that actually are biblical things. If we just do the outward and it's not here, those things are useless. Matter of fact, that is the very thing that Christ condemned of the works of the Pharisees as they did things that they thought came out of the Bible. They just added things that really weren't there. Don't have duty driving you. Have the love of God driving you. Let us cease from ourselves. Right? Die daily. Fix our eyes on Christ. That's a sacrifice. And you know what? 
Some people run away from that when they hear that. They don't want to hear that. That means to give yourself up. Progressive sanctification. Quite a doctrine. We've been talking about it the last week or so. This is really this. It's having an ever-increasing vision of Christ. Ever-increasing. Progressively. We are being transfigured through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. The indwelling glory is right here. His countenance shall shine as the light. Into the same image, icon is the word for image. You ever heard of icon? That's the word, Greek word here, in the same image. That's a figure derived from the image of God in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, he said he created man, woman, all of us, in the image of God. I want you to think about that. We were actually created in the image of God. To think like God. To do the things of God. That is the idea. We Not exactly to look like Him in the physical sense. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is a Creator. We've seen the Holy Spirit as a Creator too. God the Father is a Creator. There's the Trinity. Uh, look in Colossians 3.10. And here's what's happened to us. We have put on the new self. Who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to this. Look at this, folks. We are being renewed to a true knowledge according to what? Well, you've been looking at the mirror? I mean, the mirror of the Word of God? You've been looking at Christ? The image of of the one who created him. We were created by Christ. We're looking at the image of the one who created us. Does that sound exciting to you? Wow. He's our maker. He's restoring. In sanctification, he restores us to the image of God again. Because of mankind's sin, he was marred. He became depraved. Total depraved, I mean, it, it, not as bad as he can be, but it does mean that we were affected in every aspect. Even our looks are going to be much better looking in glory. But even more important, in our thinking. All the things that's, that occurs, you're talking about health, we'll have perfect health. He's, res, he's going to restore that, of course, in that glorious body. We are being transformed. He is restoring us right now to the image of Jesus Christ. Just like Genesis 3 says, we were marred by the fall, and now we are renewed by the feeding upon the Word of God as we behold in the mirror Ones are little Christ. Acts eleven twenty six says, "Don't have enough time." I got a lot of scripture here dealing with being Christians. We were, they were first. The church was first known as Christians, found in Acts eleven twenty six. That really means Christians, little Christs. They were like Christ, even right there. 
Ephesians 4.13 until we all attain to the fullness. The fullness of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2.16 it says that we have the mind of Christ. The image of Christ has already started. We start to think like Christ. But how can we do that? Whatever this says. The mind. To know the thoughts of Christ. Yes. Lastly, it's the last part of promise. In our Corinthians, what does it say? By the way, if I don't get through all of this, it'll just bleed on into chapter 4 because all the way through verse 6, we're going to be talking about the same kind of stuff. We're trying to get a glimpse of this glory. We're really trying. From glory to glory. We're being transformed, metamorphosed, into the same image, icon, from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. From glory to glory. The likeness extends. The likeness of Christ extends. It becomes deeper. It becomes truer. Every way becomes more complete. We comprehend more now than we did a year ago. We should be. Do you comprehend more now than you did two years ago? How about five years ago? You should be. You look at that. Are you understanding what this is saying? Is it making sense to you? Do you love it? Do you love the Word of God? Soak it in until everything is saturated. And that will be at the time of Christ. Saturated. Every whole part will be to the whole extent. You know what? No matter how much we go from one level to another level, it's you can't even... I'm trying to put my fingers at the lowest level could be and compare that to eternity. It's just the start. Because when glory happens, it happens then. We'll be glorified. But we're still in a process, steadily growing, having the knowledge, ever-increasing knowledge and truth of God. Do you go after His Word? Do you hunger after it? Do you read it besides Sunday morning when you come to church? Do you read it today, later on, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Do you pick it up and really look at it and read it? Transitions. Degrees. That's how you get this glory. Don't be impatient. It's slow. It's a marathon. It takes a lifetime. That's right. It'll take all the way till time Christ comes back. Life is not long enough on this earth to be consumed with it ultimately. It's just a partial transformation. It's just a fragment of the ultimate transformation of glory. Does that get you excited? I can't think of a better topic than being like Christ. You know what? In this drawing or in this writing or whatever it is, there's many lines that are still needed. Many more words to be put on here. Much more. Keep seeking Christ where faith and love begins and goes on one level to another level from the wilderness children of Israel to worship in the tabernacle. We're in the wilderness right now. Does it feel like a wilderness? It's pretty wild, isn't it? It's a journey. We're going to the temple to worship there. That's Christ. He is the temple. That is God. The image of 
glory. Participating in all of the attributes. Oh my. I'm going to stop. The ever-increasing glory of God comes from the Lord. John 17, I really wanted to go there. But it's participating in His attributes. It's dealing with essence here. Transformation is very the very essence. It's talking about the being Christ. He's in us. It's real. The image of glory of God revealed in the face of Christ. My first look at Christ was like that of an ugly ducking, duckling. When I first saw the swan, and I felt my sin. I saw that I didn't deserve I was sinful. I was unworthy. I'm a leper. But there was an irresistible attraction to Christ. Because I knew He represented what I wanted. He is what I wanted. Same for you if you trust in Christ. There's a process of transformation. And it's taking place now. There's a new covenant operation. What you need is Christ. The veil is off if you trust Him. It's one thing gazing at the glory of God. The glory of the Lord that shines in the face of Jesus Christ. And then it's also, secondly, being transformed into His image. Let's pray. Father, what a glorious, amazing passage that we've just looked at. Lord, may it be blessed. May You be honored. May You be glorified as we think and ponder on this the rest of the day and the rest of our lives realizing that You created people. People sinned. Those sinners You pick out to be redeemed so that they would be like Christ. How simple of a thought that is, but yet so deep and profound. Help us to think on that every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we leave from here, the light of the Lord's face shine upon you. The Lord fill your hearts with joy and your mouths with praise. The Lord's blessing of peace be upon you. Amen.